1: You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HT Smartcast. Hi, I'm Dharmini, and you're listening to Gender Question. Here, we will look at an issue that's in the news using the lens of gender. The idea is to take a blind spot and throw some light on it. In a few days, the lockdown may be lifted, or at least some kind of movement may be permitted. However, in the past six weeks, one of the areas that we have not thrown enough light on is what's happening inside the house. The feminist and queer movements have shown us that the private space is not ghar ki baat alone. What happens in the private domain is very much subject to the laws of the land. This of course includes any and all forms of abuse and violence. However, during the lockdown necessitated by the coronavirus pandemic, violence against women, children and queer persons, has been of particular concern, especially because survivors of violence have not been able to access the usual channels of help. The lower courts, for instance, have been shut since the lockdown. And they have only been hearing emergency cases like bail pleas. Domestic violence cases, being civil cases, have to be filed in lower courts and do not necessarily constitute emergency cases. So I asked our legal correspondent, Murli Krishnan, what does constitute an emergency case? And what he said was that anything that that poses a threat to life and liberty can be considered an emergency by the court. It's interesting that while a prisoner seeking bail uh, may argue this particular line, and as they must, because this is their right, a woman seeking recourse from a violent family member can't. Now, this in itself should give us pause to rethink what we as a society understand as emergency. Take the case of a 28-year-old woman from Uttamnagar, a locality in West Delhi whom I spoke to. She told me that she had been a victim of abject physical and verbal violence for the past four years, that's the duration of her married life. During the lockdown, she was repeatedly chided for not doing domestic chores fast enough. When she complained to her father, who is based in Nepal, about this, he reached out to a New Delhi-based shelter home called Shakti Shalini. They, in turn, asked him to reach out to the police so that the police could intervene in this matter. Two days before the police arrived, her husband beat her to an inch of her life, the woman told me. Initially, the policeman who visited her home told her that he would speak to her husband and tell him not to beat her again. The policeman told her that she should obey the lockdown and stay indoors. I know my husband, the woman told me. Telling him not to beat me was not going to help. It was only after repeated calls from the shelter home that the policeman agreed to take the woman for a medical checkup. Another few hours passed before he transported her ...to the shelter home run by Shakti Shalini... ...whose location I will not disclose to protect the survivors staying there. I spoke to the coordinator and counsellor of the shelter home, Dolly Singh... ...who confirmed these events to me. The 28-year-old was inconsolable while she spoke to me over the phone. Her only consolation was that both her daughters... ...both of them below the age of three... ...were staying with her. In the second week of April around the time that this woman was shifted to the shelter home, the Delhi police alone recorded a total of 2,446 calls on their helpline numbers. Of these calls, 1,612 pertained to domestic violence. Now, a few weeks ago, a team of Delhi-based lawyers filed a public interest litigation in the Delhi High Court which called domestic violence and abuse an opportunistic infection that flourishes in conditions created by a pandemic, such as this lockdown. They weren't too far off the mark. A March 25 study by a group of Columbia University researchers wrote that as service machinery operate in crisis mode to contain a pandemic, other critical services of the state, particularly those needed by women and girls, Often become unavailable or are deprioritized and deemed non essential. A Hindustan Times analysis of cases recorded across the country reveals two important aspects of this issue. One, while some states reported a decline in the number of domestic violence complaints, others reported a spike in the calls being received by helplines. What this indicates is that the incidence of domestic violence during the lockdown depends upon the ability of victims to make complaints while they share domestic spaces with perpetrators. In some states like Rajasthan, Madhya Pradesh, Telangana, the number of complaints received by state-run helplines had decreased. In Ghaziabad, for instance, which forms part of the national capital region, the number of domestic violence incidents recorded during the first phase of the lockdown, which was March 25 to April 14, saw a decline of about 50% as compared to the pre-lockdown period in March, according to data compiled by 18 police stations in urban and rural areas of the city. However, the Punjab State Commission for Women received at least 30 complaints every day relating to domestic violence since March 22. According to Manisha Gulati, who is the chairperson of the Punjab State Commission for Women, Prior to the lockdown, only a third of the calls that they received pertain to domestic violence incidents. The second aspect to this issue is that while there are several helplines available for women to call, which are both state-run or maintained by non-governmental organizations, the help that these helplines can provide has been curtailed due to the lockdown. Women cannot travel to police stations. Social workers cannot reach them or arrange for their travel, as this is not considered an essential service. The police are overburdened with COVID-19 duties and are simply not trained as counsellors who can tackle cases of domestic violence. On April 18th, the Delhi High Court directed the State and Centre and the National and State Commissions for Women to submit status reports on the measures that they have undertaken to protect women from domestic violence. A high-level meeting took place which was chaired by the Union Ministry of Women and Child Development and all the respondents in this case submitted status reports. The government of Delhi, for instance, told the court that it had already put in place a protocol on April 12th. This protocol was on tackling cases of domestic violence during a lockdown and it was a multi-step process. Once a survivor reaches out to the helpline, which is 181, The telecaller will take down her complaint. Step 2. The telecaller will forward her case to a counsellor who will then be required to establish a phone communication with the survivor because of the lockdown. The counsellor is empowered to conduct sessions with the woman, her spouse or family if required. Step 3. In case the woman is a victim of sexual or physical assault, the telecaller is required to inform the police about the case and assist the woman in filing a first information report. Step 4. The counselor is further required to inform the protection officer to allow them to file an incidents report. Delhi has 17 protection officers. Now, Mithu Jain, Arjun Seyal and their colleagues who had filed the petition on behalf of the All India Council of Human Rights, Liberties and Justice and NGO said that the responses uh, of the state and the Centre and the Commissions for Women offered no information about the victims who have been saved. According to Mithu, the status reports detailed out the helpline numbers, the number of calls received, the SOPs put in place, as well as the work that's been done to advertise these helpline numbers. What they did not do is offer any data on the action on calls taken. We spoke to both Mithu and Arjun over WhatsApp audio notes. And this is what Arjun had to say. What was rather disappointing was the fact that the state government went on to just do one publication, one day publication in two newspapers on a particular day. uh, That two papers of English medium in English circulation. And there was no uh, publications in the Hindi papers. There was no method or there was no plan as to how do they want to really publicise the number of plethora of these helplines given, what is each helpline, what is the scope and role of each helpline, was not clarified by way of mass media publication, creating awareness, etc. In fact, Mitu and her team members had already called several of the helpline numbers on behalf of a survivor prior to having filed a petition. So they also submitted A brief note to the High Court based on the responses that they had received. Uh, They called up 1091, 121, 181, among other helpline numbers. The first was unavailable when they dialed it. The second disconnected as soon as it was dialed. The third was picked up by a telecaller who said that only a counsellor could refer them to a protection officer. As you can see, not all the helplines were unresponsive
0: so when we dialed all these numbers we found that most of them do not know whether uh, what the mechanisms are or we were told that we need to wait till the 3rd of may that's when the lockdown lifts when inquired that is there a shelter home that we can be shifted to or our victim can be shifted to so we were told that they they are not aware of any shelter homes They cannot do anything with respect to court proceedings because courts are shut. So the the claims of uh, the union, the state, all these organizations fell flat on their face because the reality, the ground reality remains uh, very different from what it's projected to be. There are two things that I would like to draw your attention to here.
1: One, there is a state machinery in place. There are helplines. There are callers sitting at the receiver's end. There are one-stop shelters across states where women could go. And there are also protection officers who have been appointed to look into such domestic violence incidents. But is this enough? Secondly, in a lockdown, is there a missing link between the machinery and the women in need of help?
0: Adding to what Arjun has already said, that um, the number of protection officers is far too less for um, or to address uh, the uh, rise in domestic violence uh, victim uh, queries and grievances. Uh, this is a classic case of uh, the operation being so su- successful, but the patient dying. Um, having numbers alone, which are... Uh, unable to assist a victim in the manner in which assistance is really required is absolutely useless in our opinion. And that's what we've tried to highlight through our petition, that our case has never been that there are no numbers or there are no uh, helplines. Our case has been that, firstly, these helplines have not been advertised enough so as to reach every household. And secondly, the mechanism devised under... uh, these helplines, is not good enough to effectively assist a victim who may be sexually, emotionally, or physically assaulted. This then is
1: really at the heart of the issue. If the survivor is not receiving the assistance that she requires, then is the system in place enough? The fact that protection officers were not considered essential services in this lockdown, the fact that the protocol did not extend to include how a survivor of abuse could access safe spaces if she chose to, has essentially meant that for hundreds of women, their emergencies have been theirs alone to handle. If you have any questions, do reach out to me at the Dhamini on Twitter. You can also leave your feedback at HT Smartcast on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. Bye. This was a Hindustan Times production, brought to you by
0: HT Smartcast.
1: HD Smartcast.
0: I'm Annie Apple and I'm here to invite you to come and listen to my new podcast series Raising April. It's the most intimate sports related conversations you will hear.